coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy Tuesday to you. You hear it. I know you do. The allergies have gotten me, and uh, I've been chugging pineapple juice. I did cut up a fresh pineapple this morning, been eating bits of it, and uh, so I do still have a voice. While I still have a voice, I am going to give you something of a show today. Fortunately, uh, SB 140, the bill that passed through the Senate and made it over a crossover day that is anti-trans youth legislation, blocks uh, any surgical procedures, which are so rare it's not even funny. Uh, also, gender-affirming care as well. Went into a House committee hearing today, and I've got a lot of audio from that. Uh, some question and answer from some of the representatives and uh, the senator sponsoring the bill, as well as some conversation from folks in the gallery. A lot of it very moving, and I'm going to give you a good chunk of that as I can. After a little bit of introduction from the Senate sponsor, Senator Cardin Summers from South Georgia, who, by the way, said, this bill could have been worse. <laughs> Thanks for alleviating us. Dr. Michelle Al, first up with her question from the House Committee. First, most basic sort of fundamental question. So for any medical condition, academic medicine and societies will develop a set of practice guidelines for how we're to treat these patients. And this is based on the latest research. And we continually go back to refine and re-refine based on newer information. So I have in front of me the policy statement from the American Academy of Pediatrics that deals with best practices and caring for transgender and gender diverse children and adolescents. So I'm going to read you a piece from this journal article, and I can share it with you, and I have the citation for anyone who wants it. And according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, it says that research substantiates that children who are prepubertal and assert their identity of transgender TGD know and assert their genders clearly and as consistently as their developmentally equivalent peers. It also says that they benefit from the same level of social acceptance. This developmental approach to gender affirmation is in contrast to the outdated approach in which a child's gender diversity assertions are held as, quote, possibly true until an arbitrary age, often after pubertal onset, where they can be considered valid, an approach that authors of this literature have termed watchful waiting. This outdated approach does not serve the child because critical support is withheld. So essentially, they're saying that the approach taken in your bill, SB 140, uh, is not in line with the current science and policy of the American Academy of Pediatrics. So my question is, Senator, why do you think the judgment of the Georgia State Legislature and of you, 99% plus of which have no clinical training in pediatrics whatsoever, should supersede what the American Academy of Pediatrics has determined to be best practices in caring for gender-diverse children. I mean, right out the gate, we got popcorn. Well, I can't speak to that article. Never read it. And I'm sure there's other articles out there that would support my side. That, but that you. would support our side, too. But the point I would like to make to you, uh, Representative Al, is, mm-hmm. is that I'm not trying to override what you're saying in regards to the medical knowledge that you have in that article. I'm simply saying that it has been also written and proven that children that have dysphoria issues sort out grow them as they mature. So instead of having a surgery that's devastating before the age of 18 years old, that's my thing. I want to put a pause there and allow these children. Now, after 18, once again, let me repeat, I don't care what happens after 18, but I don't think any child at 14 years old should have irreversible surgery that may affect them. And if, I could, if this hearing had been tomorrow, 
if it had been tomorrow, there's a lady flying in that got gender surgery at 14 years old, and she's coming in special to speak to our caucus in the morning to say, it's the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. I regret it. If I'd have only waited, I could have made a more mature decision. I couldn't get her here today. She's coming tomorrow. And I mean, I'm sure there's other people in the hall that have, that have stopped me and told me that. By the way, the House committee chair gave someone an opportunity to come up with that perspective a bit later in this committee meeting, and nobody came forward. And I've had also people tell me, well, I haven't decided to have the surgery yet, and I'm 26 years old out in the hall. Well, my position is, your business. Do what you want to do. You're over 18. So I, that's, that's all I can tell you. I mean, I understand where you're coming from as a doctor and what you're reading there, but it's also other literature out there that says the opposite. So there we go. So Senator Summers admitted that he hasn't read peer-reviewed evidence on the subject of his bill, and he also didn't provide any of that other literature he's speaking of. Uh, one follow-up question. Does the legislature write bills that prescribe protocols or prohibitions on care for chemo protocols for leukemia? I don't know if I can answer that question, ma'am. Do you think it's appropriate for the legislature to determine treatment protocols or prohibitions for treatment of acute appendicitis? I don't know if I can answer that question either, because I will tell you why I can't answer that. The legislature's job, in my opinion, we protect children every day, thousands upon thousands at schools. That's our job, to protect children. Not with this state's lax gun laws. I'm saying my job here is to protect children. And if you don't think we're protecting a child to keep them from not having surgery before they're 18 years old, then, I mean, with all due respect, I mean, you should vote no. But if, 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 if you think we are protecting children and giving them a chance to pause and understand where let their life mature around them, then, you know, this bill will do that for us. And it's not that in my opinion, it's not that harsh of a bill to give somebody that pause. I will vote no. Okay. And you have not answered my question of why the Georgia State Legislature feels that it should supersede the judgment of the medical society, which is tasked with the medical care of children. Well, the Georgia Legislature probably has endeavored to stick its uh, issues in many things regarding medical science. So I, don't, I can't answer that question specifically. Can't argue that. Right. Reproductive choice. Um, by the way, I would hate to be a child of Dr. Michelle Owl. You're not getting out of, you're not explaining your way out of being grounded or punished if you've done something wrong. <laughs> if you are her kid and you've done your homework, you best have done your homework. And I mean, it better be thorough. You better have references and citations because Dr. Al is coming for you. By the way, the Public Health House Committee Chair, Sharon Cooper, a Republican from Marietta, sort of injected herself a little bit uh, because I, I guess she took issue with the fact that Dr. Al was being completely serious about this issue. You know, trans youth rights preventing suicides. Listen to this. I think that was a calm way of saying that we've stuck our nose into a lot of business, calling it issues before, and many people would say. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And if we can't smile a little bit or have a little humor, I think we need to lighten up on the committee a little bit. Really? No, I, not you. Thank okay. you. That's right. Not you, Senator Summers, the sponsor of the bill attacking trans youth rights. Let's have some lighthearted fun talking about this. Beg pardon, ma'am, but that was tone deaf. Hey, remember when I said something about protecting children from guns? Uh, Representative Terry Nullowitz from Smyrna, she was right there. Since we're speaking about keeping children safe, what is the, can you tell me the number one cause of death in children in the United States right now? The number one cause of yes, death? Yes, sir. Mm, not really. The one, I know many causes, but not the number one. Well, the number one in the United States is actually firearm deaths. Boom. So that's, well, while we're talking about keeping children safe. But I do have, have a question. This General Assembly has established and codified through various pieces of legislation ways in which parents 
should be free from interference from the General Assembly, whether it's when and whether they vaccinate their children, whether or not their children can be made to wear a mask at school during a pandemic, whether or not their children can discuss certain concepts in the classrooms of their public schools. Can you tell me what is different about this that, that you do feel that the General Assembly should supersede that parental authority that we have otherwise established we value? I think we did tell them they didn't have to wear a mask at public schools. Right. We're letting the parents have that decision-making power. Right. Again, can you tell me why this is different from those other issues in which the General Assembly has established and codified that we defer to parental authority? Perhaps we're including parents and medical professionals. Uh, yeah, same with gender-affirming care, dude. That would be my reason behind that, because this way the medical professionals, I don't want to call any names here, but I've had many doctors call and say, this gives us some cover, too, because a lot of surgery we're asked to do, we don't want to do these particular surgeries. I don't know. Hang on a second. I'm no doctor, but I've watched plenty of medical dramas on television. Can't doctors tap out? Can't they opt to not take an elective procedure? Oh, and by the way, Representative Jolie Lott from my hometown added an amendment that would make it so that doctors are criminally and civilly liable if they do a procedure against state law if this bill passes. I must also point out that Senator Summers from South Georgia keeps saying, well, I talk to plenty of doctors. I talk to people in the hallway. He never brings anybody up. He doesn't want to mention names. His uh, anecdotal evidence, he calls it peer-reviewed later as well. It, it's insane how ill-prepared, once again, this was like Buckhead City, how ill-prepared a bill writing was and gets eviscerated by its opponents. And yet in this case, well, you'll find out later. So I have a question related to surgery. If my daughter, if her, if her chest developed very rapidly and was giving her back problems, which does sometimes happen. It actually happened to my first cousin. She had a breast reduction surgery when she was a senior in high school because she was having musculoskeletal issues resulting from the, the, the development of her breasts. Would my daughter be allowed to have that surgery? For a medical a reason reduction. Of, of, like, enlarged breasts? Is that what you're saying? Okay, first of all, how does he not understand the question being asked and get it backwards? But he's also writing a public health policy bill that could go to the governor's desk. I'm Oversized. saying if my the size of a, an adolescent's breast developed in such a way that it was causing the musculoskeletal issues, which is a thing that does happen, and I know myriad women who have had breast reductions for similar reasons, would an adolescent be allowed to have that breast I, reduction surgery? I think in this bill here it says circumstances or certain medical procedures would be allowed. Do you think that, though, a physician might have pause given to do a surgery like that, given that they could potentially be taken before the composite medical board if someone suspected them of doing it for a reason other than to help the kids back? The answer to that question, because Jody Lott added that amendment, is yes. However, Mr. Hemhaw here said... Representative, with all due respect, I mean, they could go before a lawyer and a judge. I mean, anybody could sue for malpractice if they didn't like what happened. So I don't... I mean, answer your question is... I, I can't answer that question like you're asking it, because you can still be sued. May I ask you one more question about the yeah. puberty blockers? Sure. Okay. So I was diagnosed with osteoporosis when I was in my very early 20s. I'm a bona fide middle-aged lady now, and I can tell you that living with osteoporosis is not something I would recommend. There are various... We actually don't know. I've done lots of studies. We don't know why I developed osteoporosis at such a young age. But I do know that when you were on these these medicines that delay puberty for a very long time, for example, if you start this when you're 14, 
pressing the pause button, as you've said it, and you have to wait until you're 18, if you are, if your gender is assigned female at birth, that can have a pretty detrimental effect on your bone density and your bone development. That at least is my understanding based on information. Again, I've spent a lot of time studying osteoporosis because I live with osteoporosis. I'm very concerned that this hitting the pause button could lead to people who were assigned female at birth having some pretty, having to live with osteoporosis when they're my age, regardless of what gender they choose to, to identify with when they're in their 40s. How, how, how can you address these concerns, or can you address these concerns? Not medically, no ma'am. I could not address those concerns in regards to your osteoporosis. It could have been hereditary, all the above. I don't well, I'm not asking you why I Representative have Representative you're getting loud and it almost sounds like you're badgering. Our presenter. Oh, there we go again. Miss Sharon Cooper, the committee chairperson, injecting her partisanship by playing referee. A complete mischaracterization of Terry Nolwitz's demeanor in that hearing, by the way. Almost like a chauvinist male. Oh, stop being so shrill, lady. We got a lot more from this committee hearing because my voice is going. Anyway, we'll come back to more of this hearing on SB 140, the anti-trans youth measure in the Georgia House Committee earlier today on the Ron Show After Break. Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. And uh, while the allergies have uh, taken an attack mode on my voice, we're spending a good bit of time revisiting the committee hearing in the Georgia House today, reviewing SB 140. That is the bill uh, championed and sponsored by Senator Cardin Summers from South Georgia, who I believe is not trans nor has any trans family members. Hasn't embraced nor read peer-reviewed evidence about trans youth care, but says he's talked to people. Okay. In any event, let's return to some of the highlights from that committee hearing, which, by the way, the bill passed by a 12-10 strictly partisan, down-partisan party lines vote to now head to the House Rules Committee, where it'll then maybe go to the House floor, and if it passes the House then, and even then, that depends on the House Speaker, uh, then it'll have to go back to the Senate to be voted on again as the House amended it before it could even land on the governor's desk. So we're still a long ways off, but still, uh, that's what happened today. I want you to hear some more of the conversation. And it's, it's just blatantly clear who came to this committee hearing prepared and knowledgeable on the subject and who didn't. I'll let you figure that out for yourself. Uh, we pick up where Representative Mary Margaret Oliver, who I met last week at the Georgia Win List uh, function downtown. Man, what a statesman. She is a piece of work. I, I adore her. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm honestly smitten. Have a listen to her back and forth with uh, her and Senator Cardin Summers. Senator, on line 61 in Section 3, you're directing the Board of Medical Examiners to adopt rules and regulations regarding these procedures. Is there any other medical procedure uh, where we've legislated that the medical board adopt rules and regulations? Senator, uh, Representative, if you don't mind, I had uh, Dr. Watson, Senator Watson, uh, was with me when that line was in, put into this, to the uh, bill here. And if he was here, I would like him to speak to him. He was on the way up, but he was in another committee also. So, Dr. Watson, please. Is there any other medical procedure that you, we, the General Assembly, has directed the board to issue rules and regulations? I'm sorry. Would you give me a little context in that? I, I, I was answering a text. I apologize. No, I understand. Uh, my question is in relation to line 61 of Senate Bill 140 that says the board shall adopt 
rules and regulations regarding the prohibitions contained in subsection A. And my question is, is the medical board been directed by the General Assembly in any other medical condition of any kind to write rules and regulations? You know, that uh, I'm not aware that they have not. I'm sorry, that's a, a, a little bit of a basic answer. I apologize. Since the medical establishment standards of care are against what you're doing in your bill, why would you assume that the medical board acting independently would issue rules and regulations to sanction a doctor who is following the standard of care? And if you'd like Dr. Watson to answer that question. Yeah, so the, so I, I disagree with your premise of standard of care. I think that's a erroneous statement. No, doctor, it's not. You just disagree with the standard of care. And I think that you'll see, uh, if you look at the Netherlands or Sweden, you'll see that the pendulum has started to swing back. It started to swing back in Europe. It started to swing back here in the United States. And I think that most reasonable people will feel that surgery and sex change hormones, which are irreversible for minors, is not an appropriate procedure. So I disagree with the standard of care, and I disagree with your premise. Doc can disagree all he wants, but the standard of care is set by WPATH. And reeling off names of countries without specificities, let alone peer-reviewed evidence? Come on, dude. The uh, Academy of Pediatrics uh, yeah, standard I, of care was read earlier. I'm, I don't yeah, remember I, if you were in the room you know, at this time. You know, the pediatric endocrinologists that we've talked to, the, the, they are looking for outs for this pendulum swing. Oh, oh, look, more anecdotal evidence without a name attached to it. Shocking. And they are looking for support relating to this. There are several academies and several different uh, guidelines that you may point to. The research that we've done. Is it peer-reviewed, sir? And we, we've exhaustively looked at this. I know more about this than I ever wanted to. Okay, well, let's establish now that the doctor called to testify for the bill's author is anti-trans. And uh, we've talked to multiple issues we've done reviews we've looked at review articles where are these reviews where are these review articles sir oh hell i better not raise my voice representative sharon cooper gonna come down from marietta and hush me up <laughs> and we've looked at uh we tried to look at the science as best we could apparently you'll recall until it made him feel gross he just said this i know more about this than i ever wanted to there's a term for that it's called bigotry this is the the needle that we have threaded and i think the standard of care in the american academy of pediatrics what they would suggest i think uh is a suggestion i think that mostly what you'll see uh, is that the data on a scale of one to four with four being double-blinded placebo control trials versus one uh, being a very loose association of science, uh, then I think that most of the data is mostly a one. And I think that's what the British Medical Journal review article says, and I think that most of the uh, science community will, will back us up And on yet that. no peer reviews and only one crackpot endocrinologist named uh, Tony Kim came to speak on behalf of the bill. Senator, on line 24 of your bill, you assert that the General Assembly is aware of statistics showing a rising number of such individuals who as adults have regretted undergoing treatment. How did you uh, obtain, uh, what is your data to say that the General Assembly is aware of statistics? Damn, Mary Margaret Oliver went in on Senator Cardin Summers. If he had any self-awareness whatsoever, he would be embarrassed here. The data has come from people that's 
literally stopped by, interviewed over the summer, ma'am. <laughs> the General Assembly is who you assert. Yeah. I'm just wondering whether you surveyed anyone in the General Assembly, whether you asked members of this committee. I'm just curious how you assert that position. Well, I asked members of our Senate and our committee, but I've not asked members of your representatives, no. Have you asked only the Republican caucus questions? Have you ever asked a Democrat this question? Absolutely. And I've got several of them that said they'd like to vote for this bill, but their caucus won't allow them to. Sure, Jan. The vote on Senate Bill 140 in the Senate was an entirely a partisan Party vote. Line vote. Okay. okay. Yes, ma'am. Is standard of care a partisan issue, Senator? Awkward question, Mary Margaret Oliver. I guess that's how you look at it, Representative. I don't know. Okay. All right, I hate I got a hard stop coming up here in about 35 seconds because I'd love to get right to Representative Shelley Hutchinson from Gwinnett County, uh, House District 106. She brings up some testimony from just last year when the right was fervently working to give parents authority over school systems and healthcare decisions, et cetera. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. We'll get to that. We've got a hard break. We've got news at the bottom of the hour, and then we're back talking more about SB 140 in the House Committee earlier today. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. So, a lot of people asking, uh, Ron, why are you airing all of this committee? Well, I'm going to tell you why. First of all, I want liberal voters to know that they have great representation in the Georgia General Assembly. I am I continue to be amazed when these representatives step up and hit it out of the park. One such person, actually, uh, is someone that I want to start this segment with because she was on it. Shelly Hutchinson uses the GOP's words last year when it came to all of their COVID and vaccination and mask frenzy when it comes to kids in school. She used their words last year against them today. I remember last year when we passed the Divisive Concepts Bill and we had a lot of debate about whether parents should be allowed to okay whether or not their kids have masks in school. So I Googled that along with some of the um, quotes that were made around those two bills. I want, you, I want to read a few of them. Parents have the ultimate responsibility for the re- education and upbringing of their children. Oops. Parents should have the right to decide what medical treatments are appropriate for their children. Oops. Parents are the primary protectors and educators of their children. Uh-huh. Par- Parents know what's best for their children, and they should have the final say when it comes to their health care decisions. Parents are the first and most important teachers in a child's life. They should have the freedom to choose educational paths that meet their kids' needs. Uh Parents have the right to make decisions about their children's health care without interference from the government. Mm. Parents are the ones who know their children's best, and they should have the right to make decisions about their education Mm. and upbringing without interference from the government. Mm. Parents have the fundamental right to raise their children as they see fit. Mm. And the government should not interfere with that right. Damn. I won't quote everyone who said that, but all of that was said last year. So at what point did Georgia shift (laughs) from giving parents rights to taking (laughs) away their rights for whatever medical treatment they deem appropriate with their doctor? Representative, I, I can't give you specifics, but I can tell you, I could probably Google some things to tell you where I got people line up saying no child should have surgery, gender surgery before they're 18 or period. I can find those same quotes on the other side of the aisle. I, I can't That's go That's not my question, though. I understand. I don't know how it to tell you like how Georgia shifted, ma'am. I'm just doing a bill to protect children. That's it, pure and simple. Did he say Pacifics? Pacifics. He did. 
Up next, Representative Spencer Fry from the Winterville, Athens area. I just had a, just a couple of questions. The, the, um, you, and actually, you just stated, I'll start with a later question, but uh, you just stated you want to cr- protect children. How many children are we protecting? It's a, it's a low amount to get gender surgery, sir. How many have happened in the state of Georgia in the past year? Oh, in the past year? I don't know. Total, Two years. Total surgeries, I heard it was roughly in the neighborhood of about 3,000. That's all I know. At In what time period does Excuse that— Excuse me. Wait a minute. You heard that it was 3,000 in Georgia. Do you have anything— Do we have this, the dysphoria or treatment or being treated for— uh, But not surgery. Not surgery. No, ma'am. I'm sorry. No surgery. Thank right. you. Be really clear. That's right. You're, you're right. Right. Uh-oh. Sharon from Marietta fact checks the right for once. Okay. Thank you, ma'am. And so— I think the 3,000 is the folks getting treated for partial androgen and sensitivity right. syndrome. Yes, sir. Right, Pace? Okay, so how many – if we're protecting kids from surgery, how many kids are we protecting from surgery? May I refer? I don't have that answer either. Nobody knows is yeah. my point. Right. So you're not protecting any kids by this bill. I just want to point this out. The sky is not falling, to use a quote which actually wasn't mine. <laughs> the other thing I need, I, I really have a couple more, Madam Chair. You know I'm going to ask something that nobody else is asking here. Um, this is really important in the exceptions. If you look at line 68, certainly I do appreciate you guys including exceptions. Um, Treatments for individual with partial androgen insensitivity syndrome. So I was looking that up, trying to figure out what that was. And I also, Chairman Watson, have learned more than I ever thought I would learn about this. But what about the other two parts of the androgen insensitivity syndrome, minor and complete? Because we're only, so there's two other sections. There's minor, mace, and then there's a, case which is complete so we're only allowing an exception for the partial but not the minor or the complete is it and that's a that's a legit right. question and we, and here and i'm we, not yeah, that's trying a good to figure question. that out right. yeah thank you representative fry the uh, uh it and we did not name every syndrome that that is accepted uh and that's why the medical necessity portion is in there if you read up above that we did name a few the chrom- the ones that are common the chromosomal you know abnormalities xxys and xyys and the mosaic penetration relating to um, you know sexual hormones uh, the insensitivities that were added by the pediatric endocrinologist um, you're right it's not an all-encompassing uh, list and, and that's why the portion of the, uh, of the preceding paragraphs is related to that thank you senator appreciate you thank you uh, next representative Carla Drenner from Avondale thank you madam chair Senator, I haven't had the privilege to meet you as well. I can tell you that I've served on this committee for 23 years, and uh, we are an evidence-based committee. That's why you are getting a lot of questions regarding uh, these particular issues. The finding sections of your bill or Section 1, can you please uh, illuminate us as to where this information was derived from? Oh, people in the hallway, remember? Speaking with doctors and professionals that's where it came from representative in regards to that and parents that just basically in general <laughs> regarding dysphoria and their children's under 18 years old that's where it came from and if you're asking me for specifics where it came from that, you know the georgia composite medical board 
would probably be one where we, Dr. Kilpatrick and Dr. Watson and I worked with several doctors and endocrinologists on this to get this information, and that's basically what we have. Vague. So what you're saying is that there's no peer-reviewed information included in Section 1. This is just anecdotal information that you are making generalized statements about bingo gender dysphoria Mm -hmm. essentially i don't know did you i mean senator watson did you want to comment help your colleague out (laughs) (laughs) on the medical stuff i yield yeah well i mean the section one as you know uh that's the the statement of why the Section two is where the law actually starts, and, and, and you know that. That's the, uh, that's the discussion relating to that. Yes, I'm clear that this is the finding section uh, to the bill, but what concerns me is that it's wrong. And if it's wrong in the finding sections, then the entire bill is wrong. It, was there a question there? So, the, so I'm not having that in my oh. committee. Uh-oh, she don't like that. Okay? We're not clapping. We're not hollering one way or the other. You're not doing it. If you do it, I'll ask the police to excuse you. You should do that. At Madam Chair, this is a serious question that I'm trying to get at. She, and I, and I, I'm trying... Uh, thank you. I'm trying to figure out if there was any peer-reviewed information that was incorporated into this particular bill. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Really appreciate the question. And as I, as I said earlier, I think I was responding to uh, Representative Mary Margaret Oliver uh, relating to that. We did a lot of peer review, not only peer reviewed articles uh, and articles relating to this, but we also looked at review articles. And the British Medical Journal is one of those that, that we did. Uh, and actually, you know, the parents uh, that we talked to, uh, frankly, were. Uh, very helpful uh, in this, uh, both uh, pro and con, and um, that was, so we did do it evidence-based, as you suggested, and we did do it uh, more uh, personal uh, also. This is sad, y'all. Representative Chokas, and I'm not going to take an amendment. Yes. To, I uh, mean, thank you, Madam Chair. He usually is the one that says to amend him to pass or fail. <laughs> so I was teasing him. Okay. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'm, I want to speak specifically about the age and um, giving it the time to pause. And uh, there was some discussion about being 18 and so forth. Well, it's also true that the legislature sets the voting age at 18. The Georgia legislature was one of the first in the state, in the United States to do that. And it's also illegal to get a tattoo unless you're 18 years of age or older. So I find that this procedure is a little bit more serious than a tattoo, yet we do it for a tattoo and and not this procedure. I'd just like to hear your comments on that. Except you can get a tattoo under the age of 18 with parental consent. All right, in the interest of time, we've heard a lot from partisans one way and the other about this. Let's go to folks in the gallery who had personal testimony. And I am going to take some testimony from the audience and people that have signed up. And first on my list, uh, and I am just going to pick and choose, and later on I'm going to ask, uh, and we'll go through that. And the first person is Jacob Hayes. 
come to the podium, tell who you are and where you're from, what, you know, if you're affiliated with somebody. Madam Chairman and distinguished members of the committee, my name is Jacob Hayes, and I'm here because I'm a Georgian and I care about the policies that the state makes. And uh, I think that the statistics show that this bill does not protect children. What it does is it severely impacts their mental health. Using uh, current uh, research from the National Institute of Health, and if you put that into a mathematical model, you can get the estimate that only 32 people will regret receiving treatment, whereas an additional 569 Georgians will commit suicide as a result. The brain is fully developed by age 25. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, but gender identity is generally considered to be uh, created by age four. And that's by uh, the, uh, the American Association of Pediatrics. And so I think that it's important to realize that the psychosexual development is different than your ability to not do dumb stuff. <laughs> and uh, I also uh, want to contend against the uh, idea that there is a long-term uh, impact. Uh, the research that is there is very, very contradictory. There's no real comprehensive study. All of the studies that I've read for uh, females who are transitioning to males after they end hormone therapy, most of them are fertile after six months. And so I think that it's, I think that it's, over, it's an overgeneralization to say that it's irreparable harm. And do you know it is irreparable harm? And what we all know is irreparable harm? Suicide. 569 or 32. And this isn't a decision that they get to make. They don't choose to be trans. It's not, it's not some switch that they can turn on and off. And the question here is, are we going to alienate them even more? Within the bill, it says that there's a high rate of comorbidity between mental illness and, trans and gender dysphoria. Why is that? You don't, ha you don't become transgender because you have a mental illness. You have a mental illness because society treats you as different. People call your identity unnatural. That's where the real problem is. And on the topic of puberty blockers, I think that they're a great tool, but they shouldn't be the only tool. Let's say that you have a 14-year-old, right? Should they be on puberty blockers for four years because we're telling them that this is just a phase? When this phase is then, that's just further alienating them. And uh, I would like to end this with saying 32 or 569 you have pressure from your party, from advocacy groups, and from your constituents. Please vote with your heart and vote for Georgia. Thank you. I'm going to embarrass Jacob, <laughs> but those of us, and I don't have the privilege of being a graduate of the University of Georgia. I'm not. I was a Texan by birth, and I'm a Georgian by marriage and went to school elsewhere. But he is a freshman at the University of Georgia and has brought me the analytics analytic studies of this issue and what he speaks about 
And let me tell you, we got smart people and smart students at Georgia, and I'm very proud of you for speaking up, Jacob. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. It's all uh, nice and well, except uh, 12 of the 22 on that House committee panel, all Republicans voted to send that bill on to the House floor for a potential vote after going to the Rules Committee, and then it could wind up back in the Senate and then on the governor's desk. Yeah, it's nice to get that applause, but they don't care what you had to say, Jacob. That's the long and the short of it, buddy. I mean, I hate to be that crass. I hate to be that cynical. But you were there. You saw the vote. Republicans didn't budge one damn inch despite being completely outgunned on empirical data, peer-reviewed data, personal experience, knowledge on the subject. Remember the one guy says, I learned more than I even wanted to know. Oh, okay. Bigotry noted, buddy. There's lots of stuff that I don't want to find out about. But if I'm legislating, it doesn't matter what I do and don't want to find out. I have to legislate from a position of being educated on the subject, my man. All right. We got a little bit more that I want to hit uh, on the last segment. The mother of a trans child showed exactly how this bill would totally complicate her daughter's upbringing. And she had to correct the House committee chair who misunderstood its intent. Stunning. That's last on The Ron Show. Stand by. More Ron Show on America One Radio after this. Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. Again, maybe not, because by a 12-10 vote, the Georgia House Public Health Committee voted to let Stan move along SB 140, which denies trans youth of gender-affirming care. And... Even later in an amendment, an evil little amendment that Jody Lott from my hometown, my home county, decided to pile on there. Um, now d- doctors, you know, are threatened with civil and criminal liability if they do what's best for their patient, despite this draconian, bass-ackwards law. Nonetheless, I want you to hear from a mother of a trans child who fact-checks the committee chairperson because even she's not up to snuff on what this bill does and doesn't do to harm her daughter. Elizabeth Downey. Thank you, Madam Chair. My name is Elizabeth Downey, and I'm a native resident of the state of Georgia. I strongly urge you to oppose SB 140. I'm a wife, a registered nurse here in Georgia at Northside Hospital Atlanta, and a mom to two young girls. One of my daughters is transgender. SB 140 directly affects our family and her life. My daughter began showing incongruences with her gender identity around the age of four. Over the next few years, she began discovering her truth and became persistent and consistent on who she was born to be. At the age of seven, after years of research and guidance from our medical team, my daughter Caitlin socially transitioned in second grade. Since her transition five years ago, not only have we legally changed her birth name to her preferred name to reflect who she is daily, she is now on hormone blockers at the age of 11 in sixth grade. My daughter cannot stay on blockers until she is 18. That is unsafe and will cause further complications medically and mentally. Just like I advocate for my patients and follow the most up-to-date standards of care created to protect my patients' well-being and provide them with the best care, we as her parents believe in the research-based evidence and standards of care created to treat gender dysphoria. These standards are created to provide life-saving assistance for children like my daughter. We seek out medical providers, pediatricians, psychiatrists, therapists, and endocrinologists who support WPATH 
and these providers are members of the American Academy of Pediatrics, American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, American Psychiatric Association, and the Endocrine Society. SB 140 goes against all guidance and standards of care on the best treatments for patients with gender dysphoria. Healthcare decisions for my daughter should be between my husband and myself, her legal guardians, and our entire medical team. This bill would deny my daughter access to medical treatments like hormone replacement therapy that have been developed to help her, not harm her. We as her parents understand the risks involved in hormone replacement therapy and surgeries, the two areas this bill is directed at stopping for minors under the age of 18. These risks are no different for any other parent making medical decisions for their minor children for, say, childhood cancer. But we understand that the benefits of following these treatments for gender dysphoria far outweighs the risks. We want our kids to be alive, to live like their peers, to be successful academically, and most importantly, to be happy and know they are loved. Throughout her life, our unwavering love and affirming support has allowed her to thrive socially and mentally at home, in school, and within our community. My daughter deserves healthcare that is compassionate and tailored to meet her needs, just like every lawmaker and individual in Georgia. Taking away the option for my daughter, Caitlin, to access the care she needs is nothing short of extremist governmental overreach. If politicians really want what's best for our kids and Georgia families, they would focus on real issues impacting our state's healthcare system, like the ever-growing nursing shortage and the fact that hardworking families can't afford the basic medicine and doctor's visits they need. Please vote no to SB 140. Thank you for your testimony. Just so you will know, and this goes out over the airways, this bill does allow for children that are being treated at this stage Correct. to continue on their treatment and that it would cover anybody that starts treatment by the time that the bill would be signed and, used, and the, by the governor and bills go into effect, which is usually July 1st. So just so it'll be perfectly Madam clear. Chairman, if I thought that the bill stopped she could continue on hormone, like hormone blockers, but she could not have hormone replacement therapy. No, that's not my understanding. Pardon? After the bill, I mean, people that are already on it? What? Yeah, so like my daughter, who's if they 11. they stay if they're on it. But okay, my daughter well. is not on hormone replacement therapy yet. She's too young. It's not the age yet. But in how, the next two to three years, for her to develop with her peers, and uh, develop accordingly, yes, she would need it. And so this bill would stop that. Surprise, Republicans. You're doing okay. damage. On line 60, it says, continued treatment of minors who are prior to July 1st being treated with irreversible hormone replacement therapies. Well, you Correct. Know. But Caitlin is not on hormones at the moment. She is only mm. on puberty blockers. That's right. Go ahead and say it. Okay. That's yeah. Come on. Thank you. So. Admit it. You're wrong. No. Okay. All right. Thank you. I stand corrected on that right. one. Representative Watson didn't know what was in the bill that she heads the committee on discussing before voting by a partisan 12 to 10 vote to pass on to the Rules Committee in the House before it hits the floor if it gets out of Rules Committee. So there are three more votes. Again, Rules Committee, House floor. If it passes both, it goes back to the Senate where it'll obviously pass along partisan lines before it winds up on the governor's desk. I'm not sure about the Rules Committee. I'm not sure about the House. But again, uh, on strictly partisan lines in the committee, do you, do you know any, any wiggle room throughout the rest of the state? I, these are people on the Public Health Committee. So it may come down to Governor Brian Kemp, who, by the way, is not a DeSantis guy. He's not a MAGA guy. He, I mean, 
He's not pro-gay. He's not pro-trans. But he has been inconspicuously quiet about this particular measure. Trans sports activity? Oh, yeah, he was very vocal. This, not a lot of talk from him. So that's just worth pointing out. All right, I'm going to go get some pineapple. I'm going to rest the throat a little bit. Hopefully, I'm 100% tomorrow because, oh, man, the longer this went on, the worse I felt. We'll see you tomorrow, some way, shape, form, or fashion. 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com. And, of course, on all the podcast platforms. I got the links for you at RonchoATL.com. Have a great evening.